Welcome to the Garden Path Podcast, life lessons and conversations from the garden and natural world. I'm your host, Misty Little. Today's episode is a crossover from my hiking podcast, Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. This episode originally aired in December of 2020, but I wanted to replay it here because I think it holds some value when we're talking about our natural landscapes and places that we draw inspiration from to our gardens. Split Oak Forest is a wildlife and environmental area in Central Florida, near Orlando, and a place I had only heard wonderful things about until I got to visit it myself in January of 2020, pre-pandemic in the United States. It is a mitigation bank managed by the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission, and Valerie Anderson came into the picture when she realized there were plans to build a highway through part of the property. There, she formed Friends of Split Oak Forest to fight the proposed highway. I've left the introduction as it is presented in the Orange Blaze podcast, so you can hear that. But I hope what you take away from this episode is that if we're interested in bringing native plants into our home landscapes, we need to be knowledgeable and as interested in the wild spaces around us because those tracts of land impact our own gardens and nature too. I'll put links to the original episode in the show notes over at thegardenpathpodcast.com. All right, on to the episode. You're listening to Orange Blaze, a Florida Trail podcast. I was just enjoying Split Oak. I had read all the documents about its protection, and I couldn't fathom that anything would happen to this property. I didn't feel restricted in loving the property, didn't think that it was under any, it could possibly be under any sort of threat, um, because those, those, you know, those deed restrictions and those conservation easements are all very strong, and it's multi-layer of protection. <laughs> and, but then I saw the little notice in the paper, and it had a big gray swoosh that included Split Oak, and I thought, they can't possibly. That was Valerie Anderson of Friends of Split Oak Forest, and I'm Misty Little, host of the podcast. The plight of Split Oak Forest Wildlife and Environmental Area, a Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission property in Central Florida, nestled southeast of Orlando International Airport, came to my attention about a year and a half ago. I had seen many of my nature friends on Instagram posting photos from Split Oak Forest over the years, but then the cries of worry started, which prompted me to look into it further. A potential toll road was going to be built through a portion of the park, which ironically had been created initially as part of a mitigation bank in the 1990s. I also knew that part of the Florida Trail was to be potentially rerouted through here. As many of you already know, there's a significant roadwalk on the Florida Trail connecting Bull Creek Wildlife Management Area at US 192 to Tossahatchee Wildlife Management Area north of State Road 528. The Florida Trail Association has been working for years to find an alternative to the roadwalk and has been building trails and other public lands to the west of here to attempt to eliminate this significant roadwalk. One segment of this is built through Split Oak Forest. While there is no official connector from Bull Creek to Split Oak Forest at the moment, you can still visit Split Oak Forest and find the Orange Blaze Trail to hike on. The allure of Split Oak Forest I had seen in all of those photos made it high on my agenda to visit when I came to Florida last January for Billy Goat Day. I hopped off my plane at the airport, got my rental car and a public sub and headed straight for the park. After several miles of hiking and exploring the park, I was in love. It was a quintessential Florida and the magnificent Split Oaks just paired with it even more. I've since kept tabs on the proposed toll road activities and legal battles. I knew that I wanted to have Valerie on the podcast to talk about how she became interested in Split Oak Forest and how she came to form the Friends of Split Oak Forest group and their challenges with the local governments and other entities to protect this property from development. I'll let Valerie explain more in the episode, but the important thing I took away from this chat was that if there's something important to you, it's really up to you to fight for it. No one else is going to do the work for you. All right, let's hear from Valerie. Okay, well, thank you, Valerie, for, for making this happen. I know you've been super busy over the last few months uh, with everything going on. 
with Split Oak Forest and the ballots and election and all of that. So I appreciate you taking your time to uh, to chat with me. But um, yeah, maybe you want to start by just introducing yourself a little bit about your background and how you came to you know be so passionate about Split Oak Forest. Thank you. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on this really cool podcast. Um, <laughs> my name is Valerie Anderson. I'm a native of Ormond Beach, Florida. I went to Mainland High School in Daytona. I have a undergrad from the University of Florida in Gainesville, and then I moved to Kissimmee to work for the USDA NRCS, a division of the Department of Agriculture. And then I started working on my master's degree, and I had been hiking a lot at Split Oak ever since I moved to Osceola County um, back in 2012. So I had been hiking at Split Oak for quite a while. Okay. Okay. And um, I guess, so maybe like just talk a little bit about Split Oak Forest. Like what is so special and unique about the, the property and uh, what drew you to it and what drew you to keep coming back to it time and time again? Well, so Osceola County has a lot of conservation land, but most of it is, you know, used for hunting. And so that makes it um, a little bit more risky to hike in, you know, during the best hiking weather. And so I often defaulted to hiking at Split Oak. So it has 21 miles of trails, marked and unmarked. And then, of course, it has tons of endangered species because it was protected specifically for upland rare species. Okay. So I guess maybe what are some of those rare species like that people may encounter if, if they're out there hiking? You get the iconic scrub jay, I would say, is, is our flashiest endangered species. And then um, we have like gopher mice, gopher tortoises, um, coach whips, hog, hognose snakes, um, lots of really cool butterflies and skippers, the um, threatened byssus skipper. Uh, we have um, Florida joint tail grass, which is a state endangered grass. We have uh, endangered well, state-threatened orchids, um, Calipogon, Multiflorus, and then we also have the commercially exploited butterfly orchid and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the jingle bell orchid. So, Oh, yeah, the jingle bell is a good one. I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> so what um, you, you mentioned that this, this property was originally set aside as protection for these endangered species. What, I guess, what was that process? What was, why was it created? Like, how did that happen? I, I read it was a mitigation bank, but I don't really know much of that, about that history. Right. So, you know, the Florida Forever program, our major, our state's major land purchasing program. Mm-hmm. Right. So there was a precursor to that program called Preservation 2000. Okay. And it was very similar program, you know, take, take taxpayer money and buy conservation land and high value conservation land was targeted. Okay. So this was purchased with both state grant money and Osceola County and Orange County residents' tax dollars. And then in order to recoup some of those costs, the counties did individual mitigation. Okay. Okay. So so this, I guess the property was before was just privately owned. Was it a ranch or how was it managed? Yes, it was, it was a large ranch and then it was a smaller ranch. And then it was also planned to be turned into um, like maybe a golf course development. And so there are a couple of um, like man-made lakes on the property that were dug for that purpose. Right. Okay. Um, Yeah. I had the chance to actually visit when I was in Florida back in January and I did see some of those lakes. So, I mean, they're nice, but I didn't know that they had, uh, they weren't natural. So that was, that's interesting. Yeah. The property has adapted to those lakes. So, you know, people ask me all the time if they were planning on filling them in. And I think that, 
you know, everything has sort of reached homeostasis there and we'll probably revegetate the spoil piles with, with native plants here pretty soon. Okay. So it's managed by Florida Fish and Wildlife Game Commission. Uh, that's correct? Correct. Okay. So, I mean, what do they do for management? Are they burning periodically? How is, how is it managed aside from the Friends of Split Oak Forest? Well, Friends of Split Oak hasn't yet done any management. We've only done monitoring. So our okay. bio blitzes. Uh, so okay. we have not, other than, you know, picking up, you know, trash or pulling some Natal grass here and there, we have not participated in management. So yes, FWC does all the management. Um, they do prescribed burns and they've been pretty good about keeping the burn rotation really well despite all of the challenges. One of their main challenges is that this, they only have three staff members for Split Oak and for um, Salt Lake Wildlife Management Area in Brevard County, which is over 11,000 acres. Oh, wow. So yeah, they probably don't have time to get around to everything that needs to be get, get done every year. Yeah. So, you know, they're a little behind, you know, we're at like five years on some of these flatwoods and they've done a great job with the resources that they have. But yes, if there was another staff member, if we could somehow find a way to fund, fund another staff member, that would really help um, bring our burns into the two to five year range. Right, right. So, you know, the Split Oak is, is you know, an iconic uh, name and it's named for, you know, the iconic Split Oaks in the forest. Do we know, like, um, what's kind of caused this, like, phenomenon, I guess you could say? No, we don't know. Okay. Just that these oaks just happen and they're just really just uh, kind of spectacular, I guess. They're very old, uh, you know, so obviously it was in a, like an old hammock. and Right. <laughs> right. It's pretty amazing that they've even lasted. They lasted logging and lasted, you know, from being ranched, I should, should say, that they weren't uh, taken down. Right. Um, well, one thing ranchers do appreciate is hammocks and shady areas. And then, of course, the logging was primarily longleaf pine. It was not oak logging. Okay, that's true. That's true. Um, so do you have any favorite areas of the park What that you came to time and time again? Have you, you know, um, scoped? I mean, you've probably scoped out the entire park. It's even some of the remote sections. Oh, yeah, I've been all over. I've been all over the park. Um, <laughs> it depends on the season. So there's some there's a cypress dome up near Lake Hart that has a lot of has jingle bell orchids and a lot of butterfly orchids that I'll go in the middle of the summer to to see them bloom. And then in the Osceola County part, you know, those are the most ancient ecosystems because those didn't change when the water level fluctuated when Hamilton Diston dug his canals throughout the mm -hmm. state of Florida. So that's the most those ecosystems are the most ancient and they have the most rare plants. Okay. So those are the best for spring and fall bloom. Okay. Nice. Um, is there any place you would suggest people head to first if they're just now coming to split Oak forest for the first time? Yes. Yeah, so, so there's two things I suggest you to you do the first time you need to take the lake loop and go see the split Oak. And then the second thing you need to do is go to my map on friends of and find the wildflower meadow it's in the center. I also have mapped it on OpenStreetMap. I can provide a link. Oh, that. yeah, that'd be great. Okay, it's like a, a very shallow valley, maybe six inches. And that's where the largest population of Florida fairy milkweed is in the state of Florida. Oh, known, nice. Known population. Oh, I guess wow. there's, it's possible that there's a larger unknown population. But yeah. Right. Of course, of course. <laughs> and it is just, I mean, it's like grassy and beautiful. And there's always something blooming in there. I, I don't, it's just some, it's a really cool slight change in topography that I think everybody needs to see. Right. So you mentioned, you know, 
those those two places. Um, do you have any issues with people coming in to poach or do anything, you know, harmful? Are you seeing that at all? I have seen people take butterfly orchids off trees. I mean, I haven't personally seen them, but I've seen the bark removed and mm. uh, of these lower butterfly orchids. So, yes, please be careful when posting locations on iNaturalist and, uh, you know, posting about these orchids because I have definitely seen that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm I'm all for sharing and getting people to to see all these interesting species, whether they're, you know, plants or animals and, and getting people's eyes open. Because if you don't know what's around you, you don't know what you need to be protecting. But at the same time, it's just, it's hard when there's just, you know, nefarious folks who, you know, either, you know, most of the time they know better, but sometimes people who just aren't outdoor, um, I guess literate, don't necessarily know that it's not okay just to go ripping an orchid off a tree just because they like it. Um, but it's just one of those those fine lines of of, of education uh, in the outdoors, I think. So yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so you loved Split Oak Forest. What propelled you to create Friends of Split Oak Forest? Like, what was what was the need there? Well, so I wrote my master's thesis on split oak, on the historical ecology of split oak, before I knew that there was, that the Osceola County Expressway Authority was planning to build the Osceola Parkway extension through split oak. So I was just enjoying split oak. I had read all the documents about its protection, and I couldn't fathom that anything would happen to this property. I didn't feel restricted in loving the property, didn't think that it was under any, it could possibly be under any sort of threat. Mm. Um, Because those, those, you know, those deed restrictions and those conservation easements are all very strong and it's multi-layer of protection. Right, right. And, but then I saw the little notice in the paper and it had a big gray swoosh that included split oak. And I thought they can't possibly be planning that. They're, right. I mean, they could just go around. They could easily go around. They should just go around, right? And then I went to that meeting and they were like, we're just going to put a bridge over it. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is a fire-maintained habitat. Are you guys insane? I mean, that would destroy the whole purpose of the whole park, that, that these upland species need this, you know, they need flatwoods that are burned on a two- to five-year interval. Now, did now did FWC have any input in that, or are they just kind of tied because they're part of the state agency and they really can't do too much? They kind of have to go with the flow? Like, is that why you felt the need to step in and, and create this group? Well... I, I really respect the work that FWC does managing the property and the land managers are excellent. However, it seems that especially as you get higher up in FWC and of course the, the appointees to the board are, are generally not land managers and they're not right. scientists. They're, they're developers, at least, right. you know, for the past eight years, they've been developers. And so I think the, the pressure, there's no reason why FWC couldn't have stood up and written a letter and say, we prefer you go around. Right. But that did not occur. And that okay. hasn't occurred in similar, similar cases. And so FWC is actually separate from the entity holding the deed restrictions. Okay. Yeah. So there's another supposedly adult in the room that's supposed to handle, the, you know, the kids, the county right. who, who want to destroy their, their park. Right. Okay. Now, I'm glad you bring up the other deeds and the other protections because I had someone from the North Florida Land Trust on earlier this year on the podcast talking about basically creating, you know, a North Florida kind of wildlife corridor, which also included the Florida Trail. And, and among one of my questions was, 
you know, how, how tight are these, these, these um, agreements between landowners, you know, or, you know, because what's stopping, you know, 20 years from now, something similar happening, happening to these other properties, just like what's happening to uh, Split Oak Forest. And, you know, I, I think it's like you say, you feel like it's, you know, airtight almost. And then just something steps in and it's really not as airtight as you think. And I think this just goes to show that, you know, you have to kind of still fight for what you love. <laughs> you definitely do. And, you know, the Florida legislature has made made this more difficult. So Split Oak was put into place in 1994, but in 1998, the Florida legislature edited the conservation easement statute to include a provision that the owner of a property or the owner of a conservation easement, that nothing in the conservation easement can prevent them from negotiating a linear facility through mm. the property. And so that paves the way for, for things like the Sable Trail Pipeline and right. potentially new toll roads, although the Florida Administrative Code is pretty clear that that new, like large new toll roads are not a part of that linear facilities definition. Okay. And that it's and that road widenings are what constitute a linear facility for the purpose of impacting conservation land. Um, however, that hasn't been extensively litigated. So this is okay. still what it's really important to say that these groups are really important because what would happen is there would be some deals, there would be some applications, and then there'd be a road through Split Oak or your favorite park because right. the laws are not as strong as we really would want them to be or even as strong as they were put in to begin with. Right. So if, if nobody's looking, if nobody's caring, then just things happen. And you're you're there to stand up and, and, and get this ball rolling to protect Split Oak. Who else is along with you? What did you have to do to, um, did you have to get lawyers on your side? Or you just have a lot of other citizens just out there fighting and you're learning the ropes as you go. Like, how did that all happen? Yes, I learned the ropes as I went. I mean, basically, I made some flyers and I walked around Split Oak. <laughs> <laughs> for a couple weeks. Do you know about the road? Here's here. I made this flyer. Can you help me? Um, <laughs> right. I mean, I figured Split Oak is really pretty heavily used. And I figured my strength was with the people that use Split Oak right. rather than commissioners or, um, you know, elected officials, agency people. I, I needed a groundswell. So that's what I started with. And I did lawyer up eventually. And uh, I did get some, you know, political support. And Getting these organizations, these really ethical conservation organizations, for example, like the Florida Native Plant Society, um, the Florida Conservation Voters, um, uh, Sierra Club, a thousand. We don't specifically have the endorsement of a thousand friends of Florida, um, but if you could get them on your side, that would be great. And then the League of Women Voters, yeah, are really right. strong on these issues. So find people who've supported people like me and organizations like me, and those are your natural allies. Right, because they've they've been doing the fights on, on other areas. So they kind of know where to hit, you know, everything legally and where to push buttons and get things going in, in the newspapers and with the public. Right. And keep in mind that they aren't going to do the work for you. Right. But you still need them and you need to inform them and participate in what they're doing uh, because this, this is your thing. If, if you're going to take something like this on. So I guess what's the timeline of events here for this proposed toll road? Where, how long ago was it proposed and like, where are we at in the process? I know you had a kind of a big victory last week, but it still like, seems like there's, you know, so many more hurdles to go. Right. Yeah. So I, the toll road was proposed maybe like 2010 ish. 
Um, And it switched hands, right, from the Osceola County Expressway Authority to the Central Florida Expressway Authority back in 2018. Um, Sort of the the set of approvals uh, happened around 2018-2019 and the beginning of 2020. And that's when the PD&E was approved, the Project of Design and Environmental Study. And then the pandemic hit and people are teleworking more. So CFX had to revise their budget, which... Um, pushed back the timeline of the road another at least 10 years okay to build out okay so you have time hopefully on your side you know it's not going to be built in the next year or two but what what's what's the issue of going forward how can you how can people get involved and what do you want to see happen to the toll road do you not want it built at all do you just want to build around split oak what are the alternatives here so my preference is for this the toll road to not be built at all um, because there's a beltway planned for Osceola County and Orange County that actually goes around East Lake to- goes around Big Lake Toho and then um, sort of around near Harmony and then connects up to this new community and that is that could connect up to the 528 and 417 and create an actual network. The Osceola Parkway extension is a spur on the beltway that would allow the residents of this community to get to the airport faster. Okay. So I don't feel that it's really a critical transportation infrastructure, even though the people that planned the road keep saying this is critical, this is critical, this is critical. But, you know, in my opinion, just because you say it's critical doesn't mean it is actually critical. Right. Well, and we know that as soon as you build roads, what comes along with roads is other infrastructure and housing and more development. And, you know, if you look on a map at that area of Central Florida, it's, you know, Splito Forest and a lot of other undeveloped property as well. And it's, you know, part of this proposed theoretical, you know, Florida Wildlife Corridor. And I feel like, you know, you're just letting in. <laughs> it's it's an it's a problematic situation. Right. I mean, that those development plans are already being executed. I mean, literally, Deseret is already scraping tons of, you know, ecosystems and natural communities to make way for this development. So it's not as if it brings development, is they're building development, planning on this road and actually like four or five other toll roads in that area that would almost completely cut off that St. John's River, Kissimmee River connection. Right. I mean, they have like this this 10,000 acre, they call it a wildlife conservation corridor. But, you know, it narrows down to just that Crabgrass Creek crossing on 192. Mm. It's I mean, it's it's maybe like 100 yards wide. Right. Right. You want to you want to protect and conserve. And yet you're still allowing all these other things to obliviate those other projects. Yeah, I mean, you know, it all started with the decimation of our growth management agency in the state of Florida. Right. The Department of Community Affairs. Yeah. Which was removed by legislation and signed by Rick Scott. Yeah, great. And so, I mean, there, there is, that was the only thing preventing cities and counties from basically approving developments violating their comprehensive plan. Right. And so there's really, I mean, you have to have rules to to make the developers and make the counties actually consider wildlife corridors and actually consider the needs of their residents. Right. And if there's no rules for that, then this is what we see. This is what happens. Yeah. So how many folks are 
involved in Friends of uh, Split Oak Forest? How many come out and support you and support the group and support the forest? Yeah, so we have about 1,300-ish members. I haven't checked recently in the Facebook group. And the email list is uh, maybe 1,500, 1,600 people. And then I would say we have a solid, if I tell people that they absolutely have to come, we get about 40 people out of maybe 50. And our core volunteer group is about 15 people. Okay. So at least it sounds like there's people supporting on the periphery. They are probably hopefully talking to their friends and family. They're helping. It sounds like you had an overwhelming uh, turnout for for the ballot initiative last week. So, you know, the word's getting out. People want to protect Split Oak Forest, but on the ground, it's you know, a set of diehard advocates, which I think is probably par for the course for so many uh, groups. Uh, you know, it's really, it always boils down to, you know, 10 or 20 folks who are just out there doing all of the, all of the work. But it, so if somebody wants to get more involved, like, what do you, what do you hope for people to do? Yeah. So, I mean, I can take volunteers. If you email me, Valerie at friends of we uh, need help planning our spring bio blitz, which will happen in May. And, uh, you know, we could use help with general organizational activities and I would like to institute annual monitoring. And then, of course, we have upcoming likely legal battles. We have our continuing, uh, we intervened in the Osceola County versus Orange County lawsuit that tried to get the amendment off the ballot to begin with. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So they they tried to prevent them from actually printing the ballots with the amendment on it. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Yeah. So, so obviously you probably need a lot of funding as well. Is is there like a membership fee for people to join or are you just, people can just join and, and then they can donate money if they so wish? Yes, we have memberships and you can find that at our website okay. or you can just straight up donate. Um, we, you know, we've really only spent money on our lawyer and he's, he's not very expensive, but um, we'll probably have lots of legal fees in the future and we could definitely, we could definitely use funding. Right. Now, have you had any outright um, just hatred towards you or the group? Is any have you felt that this is going badly at all for any any reason? Um, I mean, we've had our sort of public battles with you know Charles Lee and Audubon, Florida, and that's been pretty challenging. Um, and but really, no, nothing underhanded or or particularly nasty. Okay. Okay. That's good. Thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was just worried that there would be some, I don't know, something nefarious um, just because, you know, that can be an environmental group doing any kind of protection work just I'm sure faces that eventually. Um, I was just kind of worried. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you are successful in getting the toll road, I mean, you've got 10 years. I mean, hopefully, hopefully you can fight it off, you know, faster than that. But over the next few years, say the toll road is moved out, they switch their plans. What's the ultimate goal of the Friends of Split Lake Forest? Just kind of creating community and education? Yeah. So, you know, continuing our, our hiking program, continuing our bio blitzes, and then access is a is a big problem now that Split Oak has gotten more popular. Um, the parking lot is full Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, like completely full, and people are parking on the side of the road. And the p- parking lot is sand, and you know packed material like you know yeah sand and gravel and so it actually gets really big potholes Mm -hmm. so i think you know improving general 
access. And then the south side of Split Oak, the Osceola County part of Split Oak that, that is actually more ecologically value, valuable, only has two parking spaces. Oh, wow. And it doesn't really look like a, a really good access point. It doesn't look like you're really allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, maybe buying some property on the south side of Split Oak and, you know, providing parking there. Um, the, the trail signage is not particularly good. People get lost a lot. Yeah. So doing a better job of marking those, the main trail saying, oh, you know, turn around here to go back to the entrance. Mm-hmm. You know, some interpretive signage, I would not want a lot of interpretive signage out there uh, just because it's a very wilderness experience. But, you know, maybe something at, there's a, an overlook and that sign is a little bit older. It's getting kind of faded. So there's an overlook onto the Sawgrass Marsh and then there's an overlook into Bonnet Pond. And both of those currently have interpretive signage um, that could be updated and look a little newer. Right. Okay. Well, I think, uh, you know, I think you guys have hopefully a winning case that, you know, the, eventually with, you know, the popularity of the park that you can s- keep public opinion and maybe that'll sway, you know, the commissioners and the other regulatory agencies into hopefully deviating their plans and altering things. You know, I don't know how successful that's going to be, but I'm, I'm on your side. I'm, you know, Thank sitting you. here from Texas. I wish I had known about Split Oak before I left Florida and got to visit it more. But, you know, I'm here to, you know, champion you guys on what I can for social media. And I'll be watching to see how things uh, evolve over the coming years. Thank you. Yes. And can I add quickly on what people can do? What else yes, people can do? Yes, perfect. Yes. So one of the most challenging things is dealing with commissioners who are not representative of their constituents' interests, because many people who are voting are not informed or they don't vote on, on a particular candidate. And so if you, if you do your research on your elections and vote for the candidate who understands the environmental issues, is available for office hours, you know, who appears to be more, um, more responsive to their constituents, that's the person who people like me can work with. That's the person who will understand your concerns about a tour through a conservation area. Right. So it's, it's really about the building up beforehand, not necessarily coming in after and trying to do this. It's, it's all the small things that go into our, our systems as a whole that help support these environmental clauses as well. Right. So voting in every election and, you know, being aware of your local issues, that's that's critically important. That's something you can do to prevent future problems in your right. area and, you know, throughout the country if you're voting for senators and representatives. Right. Right. Do you have any other final thoughts uh, about Split Oak Forest, about, um, where, you know, where people can find you on social media? Yeah. So we're, we're Split Oak Forest on Instagram. We're Split Oak Forest everywhere. We're Friends of Split Oak on Facebook and uh, we're Friends of Split Oak org. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Valerie, for taking time to chat with me. I know you have uh, a pretty busy agenda, uh, you know, working on Friends of uh, Split Oak, and I appreciate everything you do. Thank you so much, Misty. I really appreciate your work as well. That's it for this episode. I hope Valerie gave you a reason to get out to see Split Oak Forest, do some hiking, and become an engaged citizen in your community. Whether it's protecting an environmentally sensitive property in Central Florida, or maybe it's Bears Ears out in Utah, there is something special to all of us hikers. If you appreciate the wild places you hike in, dig a bit further and see how and why it was protected and get involved. You can find more information about Split Oak Forest and Friends of Split Oak Forest in the show notes for the episode at orangeblaze.thegardenpathpodcast.com. The podcast is also on Instagram at orangeblazepodcast. 
Until next time, happy hiking.